Donovan Mitchell is actually on the move, just not to the New York Knicks. So, can the New Orleans Pelicans get a guy like Jordan Clarkson or Boyan Bogdanovich? Do they even make sense for this team? Let's take a look in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Friday, final show of the week. We got a Woj bomb dropped on us yesterday with Donovan Mitchell heading to surprise the Cleveland Cavaliers and not the New York Knicks. We just talked about this on Wednesday too, right? Um, so now, can the Pelicans get in either on this deal or another deal and get a guy like Jordan Clarkson or Bogdanovich to be their six man? Do those guys even make sense? We'll take a look in today's show. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Yeah, other teams are making trades, but how does it impact your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans? That's what we cover here, what we're going to be covering today. And we're getting ready for the season, September. We've got about a month before we get an actual Pelicans preseason game, but that just means the season's around the corner. I'm excited. I know you are as well. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show. And of course, leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do it on Spotify now. And of course, comment down below on YouTube. Do you think, and maybe need to listen to the show first, the Pelicans should go after a guy like Bogdanovich or Clarkson? And these are names that have come up a lot. When I've done the live shows, a lot of you have brought them up as well as guys that the Pelicans need to go after, right? Some of you have talked to me in person about this when I've run into you in New Orleans. That has happened as well. Do they need to go after a guy like this? And when you look at it, right, the Jazz are definitely looking to trade those guys. This team wants to bottom out, like be terrible, 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 worst record terrible. Not like one of the four worst teams in the league. They want to be the worst team. So trading those guys for worse guys plus picks is definitely their plan, right? They supposedly turned down a trade that was a better offer one that included from the Knicks that included RJ Barrett because Barrett probably raises their floor a little bit, makes them a better team, and they don't want to do that. They really want to bottom out. So they want to move anyone who could help them win games. Bogdanovich and Clarkson could do that. Bogdanovich was a big signing for them a couple of years ago. And during his time in Utah, this is a guy who has averaged 18.4 points per game, along with 4.1 rebounds. He shot 40% from three on almost seven attempts per game. He can play the three. He can play the four. He's a front court kind of guy. You know, do the Pelicans have a need for someone like that? I think you always need a guy like that, right, to a certain degree. If you can get more shooting on the wing, more size on the wing too, a little bit of rebounding there as well, he'll give you all of that. He's expensive. This is the final year of his deal, $19.5 million. So you've got to make salaries work. But, you know, a good piece already is at the start with a guy like Devontae Graham, who makes up the majority of that. Maybe plus a guy like Jackson Hayes could get it done for Bogdanovich. 
I don't hate the idea of including a first round pick in that. You've got to just know you, you're going to need to re-sign him. And given he's a guy that can still go out and score, is he going to be another $20 million player in the future? And if he is, are you comfortable committing beyond one year that much money to him? I'm not sure, right? Like the books get real expensive. If you sign, if you trade for him and then sign him again on say a two or three year deal for similar-ish money, even at 15 million a year, you're looking at being a potential luxury tax team at that point. Is this team ready to pay the tax? Probably a couple of years away from that being a real serious discussion around them, but maybe. You also have to like that, you know, a guy like, uh, Donovan Mitchell went to the East, taking him out of the Western Conference, right? So it kind of frees things up. And we knew the Jazz were already going to be bad, but at least it's not going to be kind of, you know, bolstering another team by trading him to them. It's trading him to the East, which makes the Cavs much better and makes that whole conference a whole lot more interesting. But what about a guy like Jordan Clarkson, right? This is a name that people have come up with. This is a guy who's very much a six man, right? Six man of the year winner that he could come out and maybe go and just kind of be that scorer for this Pelicans team at times. He won six men of the year in 2020, 2021. Would he be a guy that off the bench could go out and get you some buckets and kind of lead that second unit? Last year, 16 points per game. He did it um, on 42% shooting from the field. So he's not the most efficient guy, but he can definitely get out there and score. Year before that, when he won six man of the year for Utah, 18.4 points per game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Those are pretty good numbers. Shot 35, 34.7, 35% from three on almost nine attempts per game too, which is kind of a ridiculous thing to, to see from him. You know, doesn't get to the line a ton, but gets there about twice per game. He's a guy that off the bench, when you know you don't have some of the Pelican stars out there, makes a lot of sense. So like, I think in a vacuum, yeah, sure. He is making, let me pull up his salary here so that we can take a look at it. 13.34 million this year. So right around the same as Devonte Graham. He's got a player option for 14.2 next season. Probably will decline that and look for a new big money deal next year. So again, he's going to cause your salary cap to balloon a little bit and potentially go into the luxury tax. But he's still a useful player. He's, you know, just over 30, not deep into his 30s. Maybe that makes it a little bit better for you, but he's on the wrong side of it. And he's a kind of inefficient score. But if you want a guy that can get you close to, you know, between 16 and 18 points off the bench, Clarkson can definitely do it while giving you a couple of assists in there as well. You know, Bogdanovich fills a similar role. He's been a starter for the majority of his career. You could bring him off the bench. You'd be bringing him off the bench here in New Orleans, but he's a decent enough rebounder given that he doesn't need to really be the focal point there uh, with this team. He can definitely go out and score. And again, the biggest thing is the three-point shooting, a career 39.2% shooter from three. You give up a, a lottery protected first for one of those guys, plus the other salary, maybe two lottery protected picks in some capacity, right? Some of those Bucks picks maybe are appealing, plus one of the Pelicans' own picks. You have to figure they're looking for at least one. If, you know, if they're protected, maybe two picks in there in some capacity, they're not just going to give these guys away for nothing. But there's a trade that makes sense. And, you know, for all of the assets that the Pelicans have, they're definitely useful players. But, but, right? Do the Pelicans actually need either of them? Do they actually need a sixth man? If that's what you envision one of these guys and their role being, do they need a six man. 
Let's talk about that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans because I think it's an interesting and an open question about all of that. So before we get into that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit, you're chilled out. It's not a big deal, right? Well, you're wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're here Monday through Friday during the season. We will, of course, be there pretty soon, too. I'm not going to stay three days a week for that much longer. There's a lot to cover. I'm excited. I know you're excited. So, yeah. Get excited for this Pelican season less than two months away now or about a month away from their first preseason game. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a five-star review with a comment. And, of course... Comment down below on YouTube. Number one thing you can do to support the show, help keep it free in five days a week for y'all. There's no paywall or anything like that. We're literally just here every day talking about your favorite team and the topics that you want to hear. So we just looked at guys like Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Look, talent on the team makes a lot of sense. Getting those guys, especially if the price isn't too, too steep, Makes a lot of sense. You can always just let them walk, right? Don't go in there thinking kind of the sunk cost fallacy and all of that. You can let them go if you decide, no, this isn't the right thing that we want to do. But do they need a guy like this? Do they need a guy like this? I'm asking you. A lot of y'all think they need a six man. I'm not so sure they do, right? One of the things I've said, and we've been talking about for about the past two weeks or so, you know, before we do a whole episode on the rotations, and yes, don't worry, that'll happen. You know, they're going to have one of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, or CJ McCollum on the court at any given time. There's a chance if you do it right and you stagger them right, you can keep two of those guys on the court at any given time, right? You'll have Brandon Ingram out there with Zion Williamson. Then you'll have Brandon and CJ. Then you'll have CJ and Zion, CJ and BI, right? You can do this and keep at least two of them out there pretty much of 48 minutes out on the court. You know, that's that's an incredible luxury to have. Do you then need a six man to kind of take that high usage rate and and lead a team? I'm not sure that you really do. Would it be better to put more complimentary players on this team or not kind of go all in on a guy that needs the ball in their hands or is used to having their ball in their hands or one of those kind of, uh, you know, roles where it's very usage heavy if they're not going to actually be in some of those high usage situations. And I think that's a fair question to ask, right? Jordan Clarkson, when he won six man of the year, had a usage rate of 29.7. So 30%, right? When he was out there on the court, he was using 30%, 30% of his team's possessions were basically ending in him turning the ball over shooting, right? Like that's what that measures. Is he going to ha- be able to do all of that here in New Orleans? I'm I'm really not sure if he is. That's a similar usage rate to CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram last year. And as I go back through the seasons here, I bet it's pretty similar to the year before that when Zion was healthy, right? You know, is there room for that sort of guy on the team? Zion Williamson, 29.8. Brandon Ingram, 28%. You know, I don't really think that there is. You want then guys kind of in the 20s or lower with that. 
And you have Bogdanovich, who's kind of closer to that 24% last year, 23% the year before that, 25.5 the uh, his first season in Utah. So Clarkson, like, yeah, he's a scorer. You can get him. He's cheap enough and he can get you some points off the bench. He doesn't need to fill that role. The Pelicans don't need him to fill that role. You're going to have so many different lineup options with the guys you already have around your stars. Or would it be better just to get a you know a more efficient type of score? Clarkson is not the greatest three-point shooter to have ever lived, though I bet he probably thinks that he is. He's a career 33.8% shooter from deep, right? His best run was during his time in Cleveland when he shot 347 he shot 31.8% last season. His season high is 36.8. It's not, you know, it's good. It's not amazing. So that makes me worried a little bit about a guy like that being on this team and having to give up, you know, at least one first round pick, if not two for him. So I think that presents a little bit of a problem. When you look at this roster in the rotation, depending on what they're going to do. Maybe they don't try and keep two out there all at the same time or even one of them out there all at the same time. But I don't know if you necessarily need a six-man when you have the three main guys that you have here in New Orleans. We already know that CJ and Brandon Ingram work well together. We saw this last year. We already know that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson work incredibly well. I've done multiple shows on that. Don't let anyone tell you differently. They're not watching this team then. And we just kind of assume, right that CJ McCollum and Zion Williamson are all going to work well together. So I don't know. You know, I don't know if they need another guy like this. I will say this, right? More talent's never a bad thing. More talent is never a bad thing. Stockpiling it, getting it, especially if you can get it for the right price on a Utah Jazz team that is like sell, 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 right? Then I think you maybe should go for it just because the acquisition cost could be so low. But I don't think any of these guys are needed, per se, given those usage rates, given that Clarkson is kind of an inefficient shooter that's more of a volume guy, and I don't know if that really works or fits on this team. But let me know what you think down below in the comments on YouTube. Is it, Are you all in on Jordan Clarkson, on Bogdanovich? Are you maybe cooling off of them once you kind of think about the rotations and the fact that two of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum can be out there on the court at any given time? Let me know, because I'm curious what you all say, because um, you're hearing me kind of say I'm not so sure about it right now, but yeah, like I still see the logic behind straight up acquiring talent. But I do want to get into this trade a little bit more, because I want to laugh at the New York Knicks to a certain degree, but this is a trade that I like just for both sides, to be perfectly honest. I think this trade makes a lot of sense. Let's just take a look at this trade. It's slow, right? We can talk about other teams than the Pelicans here for a little bit. In today's episode of Locked on Pelicans, that's going to be here coming up next. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. I'm excited for the season. I know you're excited to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a five-star review with a comment. And now for your second listen, Locked On Saints. Ross Jackson is the freaking man doing an amazing job covering the team, boots on the ground. It practices all of that, giving you some of the best coverage you're going to find anywhere. Dude's a star, and I hope no one is able to. He's so good that people should be trying to hire him away from Locked On, and I hope that they just don't make him good enough offers and he stays here because I love the dude. He's fantastic. Really some of the best Saints coverage out there. Make sure Locked On Saints is your second listen today. So we... Kind of surprising, right, that Donovan Mitchell was traded. I was genuinely 
shocked a little bit when I, I was on a plane flying back to New Orleans and then I looked at my phone when I landed and it's like the little tweet notifications and I only have them for Woj and Sham set up and it was like, oh boy, okay. Saw the trade and it's like, oh wow. And it feels like the Knicks kind of missed the boat here, right? To a certain degree, to a certain degree. Cleveland makes sense to go in all in for a guy like this. Evan Mobley was so good last year that they feel that they can win right now. They have a young team that's still exciting. Darius Garland really arrived last season. And now you add an elite scorer like this in Donovan Mitchell. And that team's fun. That team could be very, very good potentially too with the scoring they have with an elite big man in Mobley. Real good guard play and a couple of other wings out there that do just enough. That's great for them. This was smart. The Knicks though, it just seemed like Donovan Mitchell wanted to be there, was destined to be there you know, being from the area and having a lot of ties to New York City. And it's like, wait, they, they didn't want to include RJ Barrett. They didn't want to put him all in there. It seems like they really screwed this up to a degree. And then you see Woj leaking an offer that they offered RJ Barrett. Um, Mitchell Robinson, who I'm not particularly high on. Someone else was in that deal too, plus three unprotected first round picks. No pick swaps, it sounds like, but also I think pick swaps can be potentially overrated because usually if you're trading a player like Donovan Mitchell, that team gets good and you're not going to end up exercising those pick swaps anyway, unless the Lakers just completely fall flat on their face, which they've done here and why we're going to be rooting for the Lakers demise next season because the Pelicans have a pick swap. And speaking of that, oh yeah, it's really good they didn't get in on this deal. As we were talking about on Wednesday's show, it means the chances of them keeping Donovan, uh, not Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook now are much higher. That means bad things for the Lakers. So this is only, I think, a good thing for the Pels that Donovan Mitchell ends up going to the Cavs, not the Knicks, in what needed to be then a three-team trade where the Lakers probably would have gotten in there and maybe improved, maybe improved. Now they for sure don't improve and keeping Russell Westbrook on that team is only a bad thing for them. So good for the Pelicans, by the way, in that regard. But the Knicks, it turns out, did offer, or at least someone's leaking to Woj, and I think it's the Knicks leaking this, that they offered R.J. Barrett and all of those bigger that bigger trade, which is a legitimately, in my opinion, better offer than what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell from the Cavs. But it really does seem like, let's say that was offered, right? And it's not the Knicks just trying to save face, which it could be, being like, no, we tried to get him. That, you know, they really want to bottom out. They don't want a guy like R.J. Barrett who's going to win you some games. They're really trying to be real, real bad, which goes back to the opening of the show here where I said, everyone on that on that Jazz roster is absolutely attainable and maybe for not as much as we were once thinking. And if you're the Knicks, they're probably melting down right now that they couldn't get Donovan Mitchell. They don't get anybody right. But I don't know, man. Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Brunson and like RJ Barrett, I don't know if that's the most amazing team I've ever heard of. And that backcourt is very bad defensively and undersized in Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. If the Knicks were offering like that much up, this might be good, in a weird way good for them that that deal didn't end up happening. So you could almost count the Knicks as winners in this trade along with the Jazz, with the Cavs, because whew, that's a lot to give up for a guard that's not going to play defense. That is somewhat similar to the guard that you just signed for over $20 million per year in Jalen Brunson. I like this trade for the Jazz. They get the picks. They value those. You know, they get some... I don't think, you know, Colin Sexton's coming back to them. They'll probably look to move him in the future, though he's under contract now. That's good, too. He can just play and kind of rehab his his value and all of those things from his injury this past season. There's very clearly no free agent market for him. You know, the Cavs are going to be a really, really fun team to watch, so I'm excited about that. 
don't know, interesting times in the NBA. But do you want the Pelicans to go get Jordan Clarkson, Boyan Bogdanovich? Or do you think they're set and they don't need a six-man type of player like that? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans, this week of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.